yeah the, i mean it's just like how hard can you work for something you're passionate about and totally. like that is exactly what sports yeah sports is like totally. how hard are you going to work for this sport that you're so passionate about because you want to win yeah um so i would say almost every single like my my life my transition from an athlete to a full-on businesswoman like there was like no it was just like smooth yeah because it felt it's really like the same thing yeah Before the lights, I'm here with Taylor Ross. Taylor, tell them a little bit about yourself and Crossbar. I'm so excited to be here. Oh gosh, well, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah. This um, is your home, so we're in your home. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, anytime. <laughs> uh, my name is Taylor. I am a soccer playing, filmmaking entrepreneur. Um, I grew up in Rhode Island, lived there for mostly my whole life until I moved out here to Denver like a year ago. Um, and we're in the Crossbar office. Crossbar is my company and we're a high-end soccer goal supplier and we focus on creating sustainable change in society. So that's why we use 100% of our profits to build schools um, in developing countries. Yeah. Yeah so. yeah. so we have a lot to dig into. I mean, I met Taylor this summer playing for the Rapids and she is a boss. Like her, her Company is focused around soccer, but she can freaking play. She's so good. Honestly, you should enter the draft this year. I bet you. I bet you. <laughs> yeah, I so don't know good. about that. So I'm definitely too out of shape at this point. So <laughs> we'll see. What made you want to focus Crossbar around building schools? Now? Tell us a little bit about the history of Crossbar. Okay. Um, so I've been like an entrepreneur my whole life. I had my first uh, business when I was in high school. It was called Eleven, mm -hmm. and I just like made uh sports apparel and the idea behind the brand was like if your opponent does 10 reps like you do 11 if they run 10 sprints you do 11 it's about like going to the next level and uh i made like a little bit of side money while i was in high school nice. and something that i learned really early was like the money for me wasn't super fulfilling okay. which is like a really good thing to learn huh. when you're young that's crazy yeah so so i went off to college and like 11 was still a thing nice. um and my sophomore year once i was really settled into college and like loving it I was like, okay, how can I take 11 and make it uh, more involved with soccer and giving back? Because I knew that those were things that I wanted to be more involved in, obviously. Soccer is my biggest passion. So I was like, all right, we got to move in that direction for when I'm too old to play. Yeah. Um, and so when I was a sophomore, I started an organization called Cleats Count. Okay. And the idea behind Cleats Count was, okay, let's take cleat donations from the teams that come here to play against me. Hmm. So that way, even though we're rivals for the 90 minutes that we're on the field, we have a moment after the game where they can give cleats and we know that we can give them to kids over overseas that are in need. Huh. So I started that. Uh, we got tax exempt status, which was like, people are like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like we wrote a letter and they approved it. <laughs> like apparently it's like a really hard process. And like, we just like, they just approved us. I, to this day, I don't no know. Way. Yeah. Which is like, we didn't even know that until okay. like a year ago. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I went on uh, two trips during my time in college to deliver the soccer cleats. First trip was to Ethiopia, second was to Kenya. Um, and there was a bunch of stuff that happened in between. Like I started an apparel line so we could use the money to buy the kids new cleats instead of used cleats like for our second trip. Yeah. Like each trip we try to get better and better. Yeah. 
Um, and we went over to, to Kenya, we visited this orphanage called Tumani, and this is where we stayed for the whole two weeks. We would teach the kids school during the day, and then we'd play soccer all night, every single night, until we had to like drag the kids inside, because we just like loved it so much. Yeah. Um, and it was there that the founder of Tumani had told us that they needed school, a new school built. And um, Jordan and I, my older brother, who I had been doing the clean stuff with, mm-hmm. um, we knew we wanted to make a, a, a more sustainable impact as we moved forward. Because it had been two years at this point, and like, it was a conversation that we had before we even left for Kenya. Anyways, everything ended up falling into place. And when Rose said they needed a new school built, Jordan and I just like looked at each other across the room. And we were like, oh my God, like <laughs> this place that we've fallen in love with needs exactly what we wanted to start giving. Yeah. So Tumani was the inspiration behind Crossbar. We were like, okay, what can we sell that's already being sold, but sell it in a way where we can use the money to make a really big impact yeah. for communities. And so that is like, the really short version, yeah. even though it's long, the really short no, version is. of how all of that really happened. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to when you started in college, was it hard to balance? Because were you balancing playing a D1 sport and yeah. this company? Yeah. So um, it was a lot, but yeah. like I enjoyed like every second of it. Yeah. And the good thing was like, obviously everything I've done has been based around soccer. So it's like, yeah. Like when we collected cleats, it'd be after a game that I was going to be playing in anyway. Yeah. Um, and you know, on top of that, I also worked at this pizza place while I was in college. Um, what? Yeah, I I like have never liked asking my parents for money ever. Um, That's awesome. So I used to deliver pizza like in between like whether it was like after class or like in between before practice. I used to literally drive around campus to deliver pizzas. Oh my gosh. Um, and so yeah, it was kind of a lot, but like. I was so passionate about it that yeah. it didn't really like. Yeah. It was, it was it was just like really fun. I know most people can't even most student athletes can't even find time to eat, let alone run a company. I know. Deliver pizzas. <laughs> well, I would just eat the pizza while I was. Yeah, doing fair, it. fair. Yeah. I I think that's a really important thing you mentioned though, having the passion for it. How did you oh, discover yeah. you had a passion for entrepreneurship? Because obviously you had a passion for soccer. How did that translate into this new venture that you're doing? Um. I think the, I think some people are just like born entrepreneurs, like, yeah. and then it gets more instilled in you as you get older, especially if you're an athlete, like, you know, more than anyone about like being driven and like setting goals and like the sports world and the business world, like go hand in hand. Like yeah. people say business is a uh, war without bullets. Huh. It's like the same way that sports is. Yeah. And so, um, I don't really remember a specific time in my life where I was like, you know what? I'm an entrepreneur, but I do always remember loving to read, loving to learn, and loving to like create things. And that's really what entrepreneurship is. Yeah. So what what things do you think came from soccer? Like what attributes have helped you in this next step of building this, this company? Uh, I would say um, being a team player and being a leader is probably the biggest one. Mm. I, would, I would probably say I was like a natural leader from when I was young. Yeah. Um, and when you're in the business world, you're growing a startup, like you have to have a team eventually, yeah. whether or like bring on interns. And um, that was like something that translated that was like really important. Yeah. Uh, something else I would say would be like, uh, just like 
getting things done. Mm. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> like when you're an entrepreneur, like the game is really how much like shit can you get done. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Totally. Can I swear on this? No. You oh, got okay. It. <laughs> sure. Um, PG thirteen. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, yeah. The, I mean, it's just like how hard can you work for something you're passionate about? Totally. And like that is exactly what sports. Yeah. Sports is like totally. how hard are you going to work for this sport that you're so passionate about because you want to win? Yeah. Um, so I would say almost every single, like my my life, my transition from an athlete to a full-on businesswoman, like it was like, no, it was just like smooth. Yeah. Because it felt, it's really like the same thing. Yeah. I think it teaches you a lot too, because when you have class, you have recovery, you have training, all this stuff, you're traveling on the weekends, it really forces you to be more efficient with your time. Mm-hmm. I think efficiency like is the biggest thing in anything you do. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like yes, I can get this done, I can get this done well, but can I get this done in this amount of time? Yeah, and that was something that I learned. Like, I remember, like, all throughout college, like, I was sleeping, like, four hours a night, which oh. is, like, not good if you're, like, somehow I managed, like, so you get, like... I couldn't. Yeah, no, <laughs> then you gotta get up and you have to train. Yeah. And I think I get it from my mom, she, like, never sleeps. Yeah. But when I'm, now that I'm getting older, I'm, like, learning how important sleep is. Yeah. And it's, like, it's not, it's, like, once you're an adult, Anyone that's like, I can't sleep because I have to get my stuff done. Like, yeah. it's just the wrong mindset. It's like, how efficient can you be in the hours that you are awake and still make sure yeah. that you get enough amount of rest? Uh-huh. That's so, really important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's something that I learned. Yeah. One thing when I think about you is just how professional you are, but how you also have just figured it out along the way. You talked about how the transition was super smooth, but like, yeah. coming out of college, did you feel like you had it all figured out? Oh, God, you- no. I still don't feel like that. It's like, I know. Um, So people are are super kind and asking me to speak, like whether it's like to their class Mm -hmm. or a lot of younger entrepreneurs will write articles on myself or crossbar. And and, and the the question that they always ask is like, what advice could you give Mm -hmm. um, to someone else when they're younger? Yeah. Because you seemed like you really had it figured out. Yeah. And like the truth is like, I did it. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, to this day and for the rest of my life, I'll just make it up as I go. Totally. But, like, people think that um, things are more far-fetched than they really are. When yeah. Like, how'd you get your manufacturer? I was like, I picked up the phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people just don't do that anymore. Totally. And it's really incredible how simple it is to, like, do something if you just, like, take the chance. Yes. But you just have to take the chance. It's like the same thing with your podcast. Yeah. Like, the doors that it's open for you. Totally. And I'm sure people are like, how are you doing that? And you're honestly like, I'm just like acting. I know. Like, I'm just doing things. That's exactly why I asked the question is because I think when we grow up, we look at all these things, all these people doing these things and pro athletes and entrepreneurs. And we're like, it seems so far-fetched that you can't reach it. And it's like, oh, I'll, I'm, I'll do that when I'm ready or I'll take, you know, that takes a special kind of person or thing. Or it, I was thinking yes. about it when you were talking about getting your tax exemption because it's like, it seems so hard, but it's just like taking the steps. Yes, for sure. Taking the one, two steps to get there. And it's like, it opens up doors. Mm-hmm. It's just not being scared to press go, you yes. know? It's huge. It's 100%. huge. What doors has Crossbar opened up for you other than, you know, fulfilling your dream of helping these kids out? Um, I think that my life is really interesting in the way that uh, everything that I love to do or that I'm doing as a career overlaps. Yeah. And so, you know, soccer is what led me to Crossbar. And then I'm also a videographer. And like uh, a couple months ago, I was in Boston doing a freelance project Mm -hmm. for a high school team on a field that had my company's goals on it. 
Yeah. And it was just like each different profession or passion that I have opens doors for like one and the other. Yes. I don't know how to explain it, but like I'll go off to a video job Uh um, for the school in Boston. They didn't know about Crossbar, but they learned about it through my work with them. And now our goals are on their fields. Yeah. So that's one way the doors get open. I would also say um, the people that I've gotten to talk to have been amazing. Yeah. Um, it's not every day that like executives will take time out of their yeah. busy schedules to like really give you advice and stuff. And I've gotten to like connect with a lot of like yeah. really incredible people. Um, Scott Harrison, who's like literally still my favorite, the yeah. founder of Charity Water. Like I talked to him. Oh. He sent me his book signed, which is like the coolest thing ever. That's amazing. So so yeah, doors like that, and I just like I don't know. For me, all my worlds are colliding and overlapping. It's yeah. just the coolest thing ever. That is really cool because I love how you tied. You know, sometimes when I think of the transition from being an athlete to the business world or something, I feel like they're these two different worlds, but I feel like you really tied them yeah. together. Yeah, well, and because so, our, our industry is is a, is a soccer world. Yeah. So, like, for me, you know, as we get older, you know, and the company grows, a work day for me might entail, like, going to watch a match in a stadium yeah. to make sure our goals are holding up. Yeah. I'm gonna, like have the time of my life. Like, yeah, it's just it's really exciting to see everything kind of come together. But yeah. I did plan it this way. Yeah, totally. So yeah, yeah. No, that's the biggest thing that you were saying. Like, it's opening up doors to meeting all these people and going back to what we were talking about about just taking chances. I mean, yeah. my the scale I do on my podcast is smaller than having a whole company and building a school in Africa. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like it's seriously crazy to me sometimes to look back to the second I was like, okay, I'm going to start this podcast. I'm going to start recording myself speaking to my iPhone. Oh, you know what I mean? You always just say you record it right on your phone. Yes. And I did my first few interviews just on my phone and it's like, and I never thought it was going to be something, but something like that just grows over time. Yeah, for sure. So it's like any, for any athlete or entrepreneur or anything like that, like you don't have to be fancy to start. You don't have to have this fancy equipment. Like, what did the start of Crossbar look like for you? Like, oh, how God, did like you start? Like a dorm room? Yeah. Like a dorm room in between going to deliver pizza? Like, yeah. I mean, just like the bottom of the barrel, like where everyone yeah. starts. And that's kind of what people don't get. They're like, people like people forget where you start. You totally. know, Crossbar, once we founded it, you know, I had some momentum with Cleats Count. Yeah. So at this point, I was like really learning a bit. But like, for the most part, like I have pictures of I'll send them to you so you can see them. Like, I'm, like, in my bedroom with, like, packages all around me. Oh, my gosh. Like, our, like, letters that are, like, getting tax exempt. Like, you can, like, see them on the table. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, it's really crazy when you think back. And it's, like, just little by little by little it's grown. Like, same with your podcast. Totally. Baby steps. And then you, like, look back and you're, like, whoa. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. It's just been awesome, like, Oh, that makes me all emotional. I know, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, cra- it's nice. It's nice to look back and actually think of, and like take a second because I feel like that's another thing we do as athletes. Sometimes it's always like oh, yeah. pushing to the next thing. Is like how can I get better? How can I push? And it's like if you just take a second to breathe and look around, like what you've actually accomplished so far, even though it may not be you know your end goal. You're not at the end. I, I, I believe we're never at the end. You know, we always have somewhere to go. Yep. But it's cool to just like take a second and be like, look where you are, like look what you've created. Yeah, and I agree with that. The impact that you've made. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. Thank you. Yeah. So you were mentioning 
with Clint's, Clint's count, how you kind of got momentum with that in high school, correct? Was it in high school? Yeah, well, my first business was in high school. Okay. I didn't start Clint's count until oh, okay. sophomore year of college. Yeah. yeah, but you were talking about how making the money didn't fulfill you. Yeah. So what did that feel like? And then what did you kind of learn from that? Uh, I think that this is like a really interesting topic. Yeah. Uh, and for some reason, I think it's it's like a, it's a topic that's like people find it weird to talk about, but I never have. Huh. And and uh, you know, we live in a day and age where really any day and age where like money is a necessity. Like oh, totally. we build Crossbar in in a, with a specific business model where I can do this for the rest of my life and like support my family when I have one. Like, yeah. Um. So money has always been important, but but there needs to be more tied to it. Yeah. Like it can't just be about the money. And I remember realizing that after, you know, after 11, I remember thinking like, okay, cool. Like what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? And like having that point, like when it was Cleats Count, what is now Crossbar, like that is what gets me out of bed every day. And it's like, I'm so excited to do this. Like, yeah. Is it cool to like make money from something that you've built? Like, of course. And am I excited to like be able to have my own home one day that I, you know, like, funded through like this endeavor that was like once a dream yeah. like I think it would be amazing but um yeah for me I think it's like really purpose-driven and yeah. we're like living in a day and age where like more and more and more and more people are realizing that yeah. yeah I think it's cool I know I feel like I've had so many conversations lately just about that and for me it's kind of it's been a tough transition realization because when I went to DU my first like two years my focus I was like zeroed in on like I'm gonna graduate from here I'm going to make tons of money and I'm going to come out and like be one of the kids that they talk about of like, oh, she earned this right out of college. And like, that was my goal. And I was chasing the money and I'd listen to these podcasts where they're like, don't chase the money. I'm like, yeah, but yeah, like, right. Yeah. Listen, I want this and I want this. Yeah. But it's, it's been a cool process of figuring out like at the end of the day, what you're 23, 23, yeah. 23, I'm 22. We have so much time to chase our dreams and make a difference in this world where it's like making an extra 50,000, 20,000, whatever it may be in a job that we don't love versus chasing the things that we do love and trying to make a difference in the world. Like that's what matters at yes. the end of the day. You, you also know? have to think like, uh, this is something you should really think about deeply. I don't yeah. know if you have, have before, but like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, any time before that, like your stream of income came from your job. Uh-huh. But like we're living in a day and age where like like you just got your first sponsorship deal. Yeah. Like that has nothing to do with your career and yeah. it's like a way that you can continue to make a living. Like totally. you can do something that you're really passionate about and keep a blog about it and monetize a blog. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy. So like so like it's always been an important concept, but I think mm-hmm. we're like entering this day and age where it's like can really be a reality. Super different. You know what yeah. I mean? And you can have like you know, like because of like my video you know experience or like my content yeah. experience like i can like make money on the side for totally. like do you get what i'm saying like it's no, not totally. just about like nine to five anymore or, yeah like, what you like go to school for like there's so much opportunity like at our fingertips yeah that, like if you just if you just chase what you're passionate about then there is no reason why you can't monetize that like in yeah. today's day and age Does that's that so sense? true yeah okay. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day it was on it was wall street journals on like side hustle or it might have been a ted talk or something I uh, can't remember, but it was all about how exactly what you were saying, whereas like 10 years ago, five, whatever it may be, 
it's all about the nine to five. But now with these side hustles, people are making more money doing this. And plus they can chase, you know, they can have their job where they're providing for themselves, their families, whatever it may be. But then having these side hustles where it's like, they're chasing their passions. They're doing it because they're passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And then it's creating that revenue. That's so true. Yeah. I love that. No, thank you. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I think it's important to think about. Totally. When you went to Africa at first, Mm -hmm. I remember we had talked about this in the hotel room at Utah. Um, when you were first explaining Crossbar to me, and I was like in shock, I was like, "This girl is oh, so Cheyenne cool." Indiana's Cheyenne, Indiana, oh, yeah. and we were just sitting there listening. Cheyenne was like crying. I was like loving it. I know. I was like, "I love this girl." We were all so emotional because I'm like, "This girl is so cool." Are you kidding <laughs> me? I don't know about that. This is so cool. So you were explaining how when you first went to give them cleats, and you kind of explained this in the podcast already, but then you saw a greater need. Yeah. How how did that kind of transform your thinking from like, oh, I'm just going to give them cleats, which is obviously so cool. They're probably so stoked to have cleats. But like, what kind of changed your mind about wanting to give them access to education and all that stuff? So that is literally a great question. Thank you. What a host. This is, that this is, is such great. a question because it's really important. Yeah. And um, like I said, I was making it up as I went and figuring things out as you go and like, as any person that's naive to wanting to help over in a you know third world country or an underdeveloped community you're like okay let's just like give them things yeah but you go and you start to Mm -hmm. learn like for every pair of soccer cleats that we bring over there it's a pair that aren't being sold in their own economy yeah Yeah. for every soccer ball we bring over it like like once we started learning these things like jordan and i would only buy soccer balls from kenya like we wouldn't bring them over anymore yeah and so and, and I don't want to, like, turn people off to the idea of donating things. Like, totally. as we continue to go back, we'll bring, like, cleats for the kids because they, like, really want us to and they're excited yeah. about it. Yeah. But um, it really takes, like, experiencing it to truly learn yeah. how to help and not hurt. Yeah. And, like, just being over there and seeing it kind of with your own eyes is something that you really have to, like, Yeah. it's hard to, like, reiterate, which is worth because it's, like, really something they have to see. Yeah. Um. But the people over, specifically in Kenya, Kenya, Kenya is like my like pride and joy of like life, like mm-hmm. the best people I've ever met. Yeah. So kind and it's so intelligent. Huh. Like, and like they just like need a chance. And yeah. when you kind of like make the connection between okay, like this like just abstract like we're sending these kids to Africa and like this concrete like I know yeah. this kid, I know this kid, I know this kid, I know the founder, like I know the people down the street. Yeah. And like seeing how much they deserve like as humans. Hmm then you kind of start making the connection of okay how can i help yeah and um i'm way more like versed and not like well informed about like poverty obviously more now than i was before yeah but like it's just really something that i urge people to like kind of learn about if they're interested in it Mm. but really like read about it learn about it watch stuff about it like because there's so much to it like that was really why i wanted to like make it a little bit of a bigger impact totally yeah i think when you're there too it's more real because when you're reading about it or like yeah. watching stuff about it it's still like at arm's length still at a distance did that change your mentality towards it when you said like you were meeting these kids and getting to talk to them oh yeah just like the empathy piece of you're a human i'm a human you know yeah. i want to provide as much as i can to yeah i think that um this kind of brings me back to another reason why we why we made crossbar and llc why we wanted to kind of generate this profit is because yeah. When you're only a company that receives donations or, or an organization yeah. that receives donations, you have to try and make this connection to people over here in America that might be giving to like yeah. these people across the world and it's really hard. Totally. Like, 
I mean, not to sound awful, like, people don't care. Yeah. And, like, it is what it is. Like, it, is. it really yeah. is what it is. Like, I wouldn't expect anybody over there to care about my family over here, but yeah. I don't know. Totally. And so that was, like, a really big learning point. Yeah. And so that's why we try and create so much content and document so much stuff and share yeah. so many stories because that's how it really, really connects people. Yeah. Um, yeah, personally knowing them changes, like, changes everything. Totally. And the difference between my first trip and my second trip was... For my first trip, uh, we, we we were in Ethiopia for six days, but we bounced around to different cities every day. When oh, I wow. went to Kenya and Tumaini, we stayed on the Tumaini compound for like 12 days. Okay. So same kids, taught them every single day. Mm-hmm. 12 days of the same people, oh. the same community. And that's like when you really connect. Yes, yeah. and build those relationships. Like, not to sound like, and I never want to like sound cliche in the way that <laughs> I like speak about this, but like they have changed my perspective yeah. here. Like. I don't, I rarely ever complain about anything anymore. Totally. Like, I don't even try not to. I just consciously, like, don't. Yeah. Because you just know. You've been in it. It's really not that bad. You've experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing I was going to ask you, too, a little bit back to the soccer piece, because you lived in that life. You know, we go to school and, you know, we'll get scholarships to go play soccer at a university where we're getting this amazing, amazing education. Yeah, we're flying and we're chicken farm for free for four years. Like (laughs) True. Yes. It's amazing. And still like, I've, I've totally been part of it too. And I'll still find tons of things to complain about. And, and yes, like people have things that we're dealing with and it's very different. It's a different kind of pain or whatever it may be. But does that, did your perspective totally change and flip when you saw their passion for soccer, but also just them as human beings out there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my perspective changed in the most way with, with, um, well, not with soccer, because that's what I was expecting. Okay. Like, when I went over to Ethiopia, there would be, like, uh, vans I would drive around, mm-hmm. and there'd be, like, a picture of Jesus, and then, like, a picture of Ronaldo. Oh. I mean, like, that is what it was like. like no way. Yeah, well, I mean, anywhere out of America, yeah. it was like that. I know. That's um, crazy. <laughs> so, soccer was not much, like, a culture shock, really. Okay. But the thing that I learned the most was, and I don't know if I had an expectation for it, but the intelligence of the people... And the, even the kids over in Kenya was just like mind blowing. Really? Like if they had the resources or the access, mm. like to go to school, graduate, get a job, go back and help their community, like the poverty cycle can yeah. truly be broken. I know because huh. I've witnessed it with my own eyes. Yeah. And like there's this one story that Jordan and I still tell to this day. We went over to Tumani with, uh, you know, like a protein water bottles, the ones with, like the shakers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we went over with them because like we had to like drink protein while we were there to like stay like alive. Oh wow! And um, they had these little stickers on them when we bought them. Okay. That said like I don't know, it was like a picture of a leaf. Okay. Neutra something. Yeah. I took the sticker off mine and Jordan kept his on his, so we knew who's with who's. We okay. didn't tell anyone. Yeah. And we used to leave these water bottles all over the Tumani compound. Okay. Like what we just got from the classroom or the soccer field or yeah. whatever. We just leave them. Leave them, yeah. And I mean, I kid you not, like 10 minutes later, the, a kid would be there standing there with our water bottle and it would be the right water bottle every single time. Because the kids observed and knew whose water bottle had the sticker and whose didn't. No way. And it was like this little tiny sticker too. Oh, it was I think I know what you're talking about. Yes, it was small. And there was like, there was like eight of us on the trip. So there was like water bottles everywhere. And I know it's a really like small thing, but it's no, like yeah. they're just like they just like they're intelligent and they're kind and they they know and they observe, yeah. and that for me is like really where the education 
piece came into play. Like yeah. they need a chance to like learn and grow and absorb as much as they can because they have the like serious opportunity to make an impact in their communities and help them totally like get lifted out of poverty. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like with the passion that they have and all those traits that they exhibit like you were talking about, it's like if you just give them the resources and not yeah. give them handouts like you were talking about before, but yeah. give them the resources to grow and learn and grow their economy. That's huge. Yeah. Have you ever heard that one quote about, uh, uh, it's either about a garden or about fishing. I think there's two versions. Okay. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, but teach mm. him to fish and he'll eat forever. Yeah. It's like that. It's totally. like, that is like the epitome of what has been learned over the past two years. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. You talked about it a little bit with the social enterprise, right? That's what you're, you guys are called, right? Yeah, yeah. Explain that a little bit to, to people who may not know, because I learned that a little bit through you and then a little okay. bit through my business school, but what the difference between a social enterprise and a nonprofit and all that stuff. Okay, sure. So uh, we're kind of coming into like this day and age of different business models existing. Mm -hmm. You know, before, I would say this decade, well, I guess it's a new decade now, before the 2000s, yeah. Yeah. you know, every business's, for the most part, every business's purpose was to maximize shareholders' profits. Yeah. That just means maximize profits. Yeah. And now you can have a hybrid, a social enterprise, a B Corp. Mm -hmm. These new business models that people are introducing that are like showing people that like making money and making an impact are not something that's mutually exclusive. Yeah. And so what Crossfire is, is we're, we're a social enterprise, which means that we wanna like experience the benefits of having a business and the benefits of giving back. Yeah. And so what our company is called is called a hybrid. Yeah. And a hybrid is basically like the actual definition of it is like two pieces of something that okay. create something new. Yeah. So Crossfire itself, like when we sell our soccer goals, it's an, we're an LLC. So we okay. incorporate it as a for-profit company because yeah. we truly believe that the biggest way to make an impact is to generate the revenue to do so. Totally. Yeah. Because if not, you have to be dependent on grants, donations, and like I said, it's yep. hard because of the disconnect. Mm -hmm. So that is why we're a, we're an LLC, and so we have that tax exempt arm mm -hmm. that we so called. Yeah. We have yeah. that. Perfect. And so we distribute our profits to the tax exempt arm as dividends to complete the social missions. Got it. Okay. And people can donate if they choose to, which people have been awesome to have, yeah. to the tax exempt part and receive the tax benefits of it. Yeah. So the hybrid are like the best of both worlds. Okay. And so what's really important about the LLC, about Crossbar, the way that we built it, is this 100% model. Okay. And the idea is, if you have a company that can grow, invest in itself, pay its employee, employees fair wages, like, then you should use the rest of the money to do something about the things that are going on in the world and not just like totally. stack it up in a bank. Yeah. Like I don't ever, like I have all Apple products. Like I have an Apple watch. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> yes. But like they have like $3 billion in the bank. Huh. Like $3 billion could like actually end poverty in Kenya. Huh. And so for Jordan and I, when we founded Crossbar, like we're really self-aware of what makes us happy. A, a good home, not a huge home, a yeah. good home, yeah. like good friends, good family. And for both of us, like a couple of things like season passes to the mountain and like the ability yeah. to play soccer whenever I want. Totally. And that's like, I'm aware that that's all I need. It's all I want. Yeah. So for us, our goal one day is to like work here make a good salary and know that we're creating a difference and that everyone's yeah. happy. That's huge because I feel like we live in a huge culture, and it's always been like this, but a huge culture of excess, and it's like yeah, yeah, greed and greed. yeah. But people and are learning. Like they you are. literally see society moving in the direction of. I think it has to do with like our generation, yeah. millennials. 
Totally. Yeah. Totally. But like, I mean, the, the best way to phrase it, because this is the part that confuses some people, just because like not everyone is like a business major. Yeah. Um, basically, we'll sell a we'll sell say we sell a goal. Mm-hmm. The all that money that comes in is the revenue. Yes. And then we we use the revenue to cover our expenses. Mm-hmm. So say we had to pay a salary or um, an overhead expense, although we have minimum because we have a really lean business model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's left over from that is the profits and that is the money that we use. Yeah. So, cause some people think like, oh, you get a goal, you take everything and then you set it away. But like, yeah. that's not like sustainable. Like, we wouldn't be totally. able to stay afloat. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of it summed up. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Does it make sense? Oh, totally. Okay, cool. Yes, I hope it makes sense to everybody yeah. else. But I used to be not it. good at explaining it, but I think I've gotten better over no, the two years. You did, you did super well. And I was thinking through it too, because because you do sound like you have it all figured out. <laughs> you do put put that out there. Ask me um, any math question, then you'll suddenly be <laughs> It's okay, we have calculators. Um, how did you figure out the business model that you wanted to go into? Because I feel like even to this day, I'll talk to people in the business school at DU or different things like that, and they're like, oh, I wanna make a social difference, so I'm gonna join a nonprofit. And again, there's nothing against that or anything right. like that. But how did you decide to go on the path that you guys did? I think it was a lot of trial and error. Okay. Like we did go the nonprofit route first. You did? Because we were okay. clicked count, yeah, right? Yeah. So there was no, we weren't really selling anything. We were relying on donations and it was hard. Yeah. And like, it's like, it's really hard. And um, Jordan and I had found that that was something that we weren't passionate about. Like mm-hmm. I'm not passionate about fundraising the way that I am about building a business. Okay. And yeah. so that was really why we, why we went the route that we did. But honestly, like, it's truly just trial and error. Like, there's every every business is different. Everybody's end goal is different. Your situation is different. Like, even now, like, to this day, we're still changing things and restructuring things. After the Tumani build, we will probably um, nix the 501c3. We'll just get rid of it because we're accepting donations for Tumani because Tumani mm-hmm. was um, the inspiration behind Crossbar. So yeah. we started building Tumani the same time we launched Crossbar. Yeah. So we don't have enough profits to date to fully fund Crossbar. Yeah. I mean, fully fund Tumani. Totally. So for the Tumani build, we're accepting donations. That's why we're still us- utilizing the tax exempt term. Okay. But once Tumani's built, we'll nix the 501c3 and we'll get a project partner. Okay. So an organization that we've been in talks with is Pencils of Promise. Do you okay. know the organization? No. Yeah, it's an amazing organization. They build schools in developing countries and communities that need them for like 50 grand in the most efficient, sustainable way. Yeah. And for us, we know we want to go that route. So we'll nix the 501c3 and we'll start giving our dividends instead of to our own nonprofit to Pencils of Promise. Okay. And the reason that we're doing this is because the Tumani build is really unique and special. Yeah. The Tumani compound, the Tumani orphanage, already had a school in place. So they had a curriculum. They go by okay. the 844 curriculum, same as us, like eight years in like younger school. Okay. High school and then college. Yeah. Um, they already have 17 certified teachers that went through three years of training. Mm-hmm. So like their administration fees are taken care of, like their infrastructure is in place where we're just building them a new school building. Got it. But okay. but there's not gonna be other builds like that. Okay. And this is something that goes along with the helping or hurting thing that I was kind of talking about. Yeah. A lot of times people will go over to like a third world country, they'll build a school or a library, and mm. they don't realize what comes after. Mm. You can't just put up walls somewhere and be like, 
ceiling. Yeah. And, Learning there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and oftentimes it ends up being like a waste of resources or mm, money. Totally. And we never want to we never want to do that. And yeah. So after two mighty, we're gonna go the route to put the the school building aspect in the hands of people that are professionals at it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so to 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 go full circle here to really answer your point is like. When you're trying to figure out your structure for your business, like there's no right, there's no wrong, yeah. and there's no rules. Yeah. Like we're there gonna change no our rules. structure. Yeah. There's no, there's one rule. Commercial. <laughs> yes. Oh so, yeah. Um, yeah, we're gonna change our structure again next year. And although I do think that would be the structure we stick with as we move forward, okay. like it's truly just trial and error. Yeah. Just try it. Just start as is the theme of this. Yes. Yeah, seriously, just start. I know. One thing that has been standing out to me when you've been speaking is just the ability as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman, to be able to change, to be like open to learning. And I feel like you're very into personal development and just like figuring it out as you go. What are some of the key things you do to like continue to learn about business, to continue to learn about how you can help and provide that for other people? Uh, I think that um, I'd really take advantage of the amount of knowledge that is like at our fingertips. Like, you know, people used to go to college and actually had to go to the library for the books there. Like, could yes. you imagine? Like, do you know how long it would take to write a paper? Like, where you Insane. could just Google it? Insane. Like, it blows my mind. I know. Anyways, um, so yeah, I yeah. love, like I said, I love connecting. Mm-hmm. The best, I think that truly the best thing you can do as an entrepreneur is to find mentors. Whether yes. they're like one conversation mentors yeah. or people that you build relationships with. Yeah. That's so important. The second thing is I love to read. Okay. I don't like to like force reading on anyone because some people don't absorb knowledge that way. Okay. Yeah. And um, so if maybe like you like want to watch YouTube videos instead, yeah, because I do that too. Totally. Or like documentaries. Yeah. Um, just learning as much as you can, and then I don't really think there's a better way to learn than to actually apply it. Yeah. And with that comes failure. You have to be like open to that. Yeah, so. that's so true. I think that's one thing I think about with college and stuff because. You know, I, we both went to very good colleges and you absorb so much, but it's, you don't, you're not forced to apply it. Yeah. And I feel like the most I've learned recently has been, you know, sitting down with people who are already in the industry that I want to be in or being forced to make a podcast and talk to people that I'm scared or uncomfortable to talk to. Not you. But you know what I mean? Just like being forced into it is like the best way to learn. And maybe you're going to suck at first. But you just go, just do it. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, and it's, it's funny that you say that because, so when I was in college, I, I started Cleetail when I was a sophomore. Yeah. So, and like kind of what I told you about my second half of my senior year, what my, yeah. what my internship was. Yeah. Like, because I had started Cleetail while I was in college, when I would go to go to class and there'd be like a lesson, yeah. it wasn't just like this like abstract concept. I was like literally taking what I was learning totally. and applying it. And like, I think that I learned in a, such a better way than like huge, yeah. my peers because it was really real for me. And so like from that, the other piece of advice that I always give to like younger entrepreneurs yeah. that kind of goes hand in hand with like just start is like, just take like, like don't watch Netflix for one night or just yeah. like don't watch, and don't get me wrong, like I watch Netflix. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, just like, don't do that for one night and like, figure out what you're really passionate about and like learn about it and maybe yeah. start something or totally. like get, get a, get a move on. Yeah. Um, and like, I know that the timing thing of the time wise thing of college, like as yeah. an athlete, like 
if you even have extra time to like pee, yeah, I'm like good for you. <laughs> Fair. But like if it's something you're passionate about, you'll find time. For totally. It. Yeah. You totally will. And I think that's so true about just like just starting because even if you, you know, such like on a small scale, but like I had different little things like food Instagrams and yeah, yeah, like no, little totally things it. like that. And I think the biggest thing, and I I face this too, is that like we're so scared of other people's judgments and we're so afraid to start at zero followers or so afraid to start at zero revenue that we won't start because it's like, oh, I don't want to look like that guy who's just trying to do this and have zero followers or whatnot. And even if you start and it ends up not being something that you're super passionate about and you figure you're still going to be learning things along the way. Yeah. Like through your other businesses. Yeah. Like I was like, I started at 11 and I was like, oh yeah, here we go. And then I was like, this isn't it. Exactly. And I was like, this isn't it. And like, that's when I came across bar and I was like, this is it. Like Totally. You know what I mean? So even if it's not your first thing, like you probably, when you start at 11, you're like, okay, this is going to be it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't start it being like, okay, this is my bridge to this next thing. Yes, exactly. You started just thinking it was going to be it and you gave it your all. But then you kind of figured out along the way and you learned so many things along the way. So I think that's a huge point. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, I feel like I can't overstate enough. Like it's kind of like what we were talking about with like underappreciating, like, uh, being a, a college athlete, like yeah. the, the, the hotels you get put up in or the food yeah. or the, getting to just like have fun every day with your best friends. Totally. It's almost, I think it's the same way with the resources that you have while you're at college. Yeah. Like like I would go to financial accounting class uh-huh. and then I would go my professor I'll never forget him Joseph Diadamo <laughs> shout out Diadamo my guy <laughs> I would go to my accounting class and then I would go to his office after and we would do my books for 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 Clay Town no way and like what people don't realize is like in the real world like that costs money oh yeah and like when you're in college like these professors would like love nothing more than to help you apply it to something that's actually going on in your life oh gosh, and like that strange. really like was such a uh such a leg up for me and such yeah. a turning point like i just like really want to urge people to like take advantage of the resources that yeah while they're in college no that's so really huge important. it's so tempting especially as a college athlete or even with a like just a college student who's working all the time to just kind of get through it, right? And just like go to class and be like, oh, I got my degree. But you're so right. There are so many resources. Yeah. And usually if professors are passionate about people wanting to see their students succeed. So that's that's the coolest thing I've heard. That's awesome. Yeah, you got like a team of like 12, like successful. Yeah. I mean, not all professors are really great. I had some that like really sucked. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you've got like this like built-in squad that yeah. you could like totally utilize if you that's too. huge. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. One thing that's been on my mind that I've been thinking about is that you're doing, <laughs> Ooh, what is it? <laughs> you want to make all this social change and you're making all this positive change in so many people's lives. What has driven you to want to do that? Because we talked about it before, people are driven by money, people are driven by different things. What drives you to want to do better for the world? I think that that was like a gradual thing. Okay. Um, when I had started Cleats Count, I, I was a really passionate traveler. Okay. And I was curious. And like, I was like, what could be cooler than going to experience kind of the other side of the world? Yeah. And when I went over my first trip to Ethiopia, it didn't really hit home for me. It was eye opening, it was a good experience, but it was, it was nothing like the way Tumani was for me. Hmm. And so, you know, I, I came back and it was just like, 
an experience. Like a lot of people will go abroad and kind of nothing will come of it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I went back over to Tumani where I, like it just pulled on my heartstrings and mm-hmm. I fell in love with the community and I wanted to help. Yeah. It was never like, I didn't like start Cleats Count with like the mission of like, I'm going to go over to Africa and try and end poverty. Yeah. Like that's like <laughs> not like a genuine, yeah. I mean, kudos to anyone that does that. Yeah. Because obviously it's important. Totally. But like for me, it was a really, really genuine, gradual connection and like every day that this bill is going on it's like something really real in my life yeah. and i like get voice messages that from rose the founder mm-hmm. and we like uh send them over facebook mm-hmm. like that just like make me like tear up like huh. to hear her voice yeah and uh it's just like an ex- it's something that just like comes out of nowhere and it happens hmm. sometimes people will ask me um like we have it, we have problems here in America. Like think about like the Chicago school systems. They're mm-hmm. like, why don't you want to help in your own home? And I'm like, to be honest, like I've been to Chicago, I don't know how many times, and I've never felt this like fire inside of me to help okay. them. Yeah. And the thing is, is like there are people out there that will find a fire in Chicago, but not in Kenya. Yeah. And That's so for fair. me, I think it's just like just be like go to where your heart feels strong. Huh. Like I probably I won't that. go back to Ethiopia. Yeah. Like not to sound like a harsh way, but like yeah. for me, like. Kenya is like to Kenya is like my place. Yeah. So it's like a real genuine yeah connection. And if you're passionate about it, then it's gonna give you the energy to do as much as you possibly can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say that's kind of the story on how, on how that happened. Yeah. All right. So going back, if to what? <laughs> to the beginning, the very beginning. Taylor Ross was born. September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety six. Oh, our birthdays are close. Bird. When's your birthday? Twenty second. September twenty second. That's my best friend's birthday. Oh no way! Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> um, back to before you started Crossbar, before you started any of your businesses, maybe even before you were an athlete. What are one or two things you'd tell yourself um, with all that you've learned throughout this process and all that you know now? Could be large scale, small small scale. Well, I was an athlete when I came out of the womb. Oh, fair. So should I go back to Sorry. the womb? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, two things that I would tell myself before all of this happened. Um, I think the biggest life lesson that I've learned, and I think that anybody should apply, is nothing is worth doing unless you have the right people to share it with. Huh. Like, I think it's something my dad, like, really always, like, instilled in me. But, yeah. like, I would get so deep and, like, crossbar or, like, school or like soccer where we were very close yeah i remember i had like this one week where i didn't call for like two weeks i was like barely answering his texts wow. he finally got me on the phone and he's like what is the purpose of doing these things if you don't share them with people that you love huh. i was like wow and i've never forgotten it that's huge and i think like if i could probably tell myself that a couple of years ago i think i'd probably want to think about it more than i had yeah um and I've had a, I have fantastic friends and family. I've had a great life and everyone's always been supportive. But if I could like instill that even more in my life, like yeah. I would, cause I think it's just like really great. Totally. Really great advice. So that'd yeah. probably be one. Uh, number two, that's such a hard question. I know. Like, before I was an athlete, I yeah. was like one. I know. <laughs> just super athletic this whole time. Oh God, just anything such a little you've learned snow. Yeah. Uh, I would say, um, 
I would say uh, be op be more open with how I how I feel about things. Okay. I think that uh, I have a lot going on in my life, which I like love. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the things I do are like leading roles, and okay. I feel like if I'm like more vulnerable to my emotions, it makes me look a little bit weaker. And so huh. I really struggled. Like, I really struggle with with that aspect. And I think now I'm learning. If I like could look back or go back, yeah. I think I would have been. I wish I could have been more open with like the things I was either struggling with or felt because I think it would have helped me like put yeah be farther along than I than I am. Totally. And I think that's important for anyone, no matter what position you're in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's that's one of the main reasons I started this whole thing. Really? It's because I was no, that's exactly it. I was like sitting there and I was like I, I, same way, you know, it, I, it's almost the athlete mindset of like, I have to be perfect and I have to not have any mental struggles and I have, you know, yeah. because it's almost looked at like a weakness, but I feel like the more you open up and talk to people about it and the less guarded you are, even though it may be hard, the more open it all becomes and the better you feel about it and you're yeah. more apt to chase your dreams and talk to people and be open and share it, you know? Yes, I agree. Yeah. Hanopi. Hanopi. Yes, so you're obviously leaving a huge legacy here with Crossbar. Oh, stop. You are. <laughs> Even if you change, this is what I think about legacy. Every day, I don't think anything else of it. I know. This is what I think about legacy is, like, it's not necessarily the schools you build or, like, you know, where your name is left, but it's, like, the impressions you leave on people, you know? It's yeah. just the things that people think about you. So what type of legacy do you want to leave for yourself and for crossbar and just for everybody that you touch along the way i think this is something that i've known for like a, a many years of my life i think that i know i want to make an impact but not even on this like on the surface like do i want to build as many schools as possible of course yeah. like it's absolutely a dream of mine to totally. make even a dent in like the poverty cycle so yeah. other people can have you know acceptable lives oh yeah but like really the root of it is like how much greater would it be to inspire the people that are going to start those ventures that do end up like yeah helping end poverty because if you do it to enough of them then really everything adds up and you can make a true impact in the world yeah i think that uh documenting crossbar's journey so openly and honestly mm. um has been really important to us and we've never strayed from it because the, the i mean the messages that i get from people like letters like LinkedIn messages, emails, messages in my DMs, like from so many people so often, most of which I don't know anymore, yeah. is like what is like the most fulfilling to me. Yeah. And I don't need that validation, like totally. To be honest, like I don't even care if they would, like, if they don't even need to tell me, but like yeah. if I could just know that like somebody was influenced to go start something or like yeah. to, to go do something that they were really passionate about. Like that for me is what is like really the most fulfilling. Yeah. So I would say like legacy wise, just like like inspiring other people to like just just start. Just start. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's the truth. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sitting down with oh, me and talking about this. I love everything that you're doing and we've just talked for so long. I know. How long is that? Like I don't know, an hour. We crushed that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That was amazing. Well, thank you so much for everything. And I love Crossbar being home for now. For me as well, this feels mm -hmm. like home too. So you're the bomb. Oh, thanks. You're too. All right. Thank you again so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. 
Again, if you did, it would help us out so much if you screenshotted this and shared it on any of your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter. Just tag myself, Brittany One Wilson. Also, check out Taylor Ross and Crossbar Official. I've linked their social medias and websites in the description. Thanks so much again. I hope this story inspires you to go out, live your story, and don't be afraid to share it.